I tell you, you just think about that. That's pretty awesome. How mighty, how great our God truly is. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to continue along the lines that we've been going the last couple of weeks. And uh, so tonight I want to, tonight, whoa, today, um, today we're going to look at the gift of the Holy Spirit and what he has truly provided for in each of our lives and how we can so we can so depend upon him, but <clears throat> I think what I want us to see more than how we can depend upon him is how we really need him. Uh, you know, we're, we're in a society today that we're so, we're so self-sufficient, or so we think we are. And uh, we think we can handle it. We think we can do it all ourselves. But I want us to realize how much we truly need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I want to talk about <clears throat> needing him today and how we need to realize that the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that heaven has ever given us. I'm talking about outside of Jesus because before him there was none of the gifts available to us. But how important the Holy Spirit truly is in our lives because through him we, we find all sufficiency. And I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about tongues this morning. It's praying in the Spirit. <clears throat> and uh, I think oftentimes when we begin to talk about that, people immediately get a little bit panic-stricken and so forth, because in certain circles it's not accepted and so forth, but it's, it's essential. It's so necessary in our lives, and so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit today as well. And you know, when Jesus walked upon the earth and when he ministered, he ministered under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that the last couple of weeks of how <clears throat> when Jesus was baptized, how the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. And Father God said from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. <clears throat> you know, just a little quick story on that. Uh, when we took our first church up in Wapaka, Wisconsin, um, we had this house that we were renting in, in town and, and uh, anyway we, we, we had the telephone person come in and one day uh, uh, I mean I was gone and so I, I arrived home and Pastor Becky met me in the door and she said do something about this guy he's been here for hours <laughs> and he basically said I'm not saved because I'm not Jesus only. He is a Jesus only. And so I went in and talked with him a little bit and he, he started to inform me that, you know, I missed it because I believed in the Trinity and so forth. And, and so we're talking along and so I said, so, so you're saying that it's Jesus only that 
the different, the Father and the Holy Spirit are different, just simply different manifestations of Jesus, but it's just Jesus only. And he says, yeah, yeah, that, that's right. You know, you're, you're wrong with what you believe. And, and so I, I, I listened to him a while and I finally got frustrated and I, I finally said, so answer me something then. And he said, okay. I said, so when, when Jesus was baptized in water, Jesus was in the water. Jesus comes up out of the water. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. And then a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I, I said, what, what did Jesus do? Throw his voice? Anyway, that didn't go over real big, and that was the end of the discussion, but it sure got rid of him. <clears throat> well, what I want you to know, that, that, was, that applies to absolutely nothing. I just happened to think of that, you know. And so, you know, my age, when you remember something, you want to share it because, you know, it won't last that long. <laughs> but the thing that I want us to see is that Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And in the same way that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit, so you and I are empowered by the same Holy Spirit. We really, we need to recognize that. And I think one of the things where the church today, where we, we struggle is we look at so many of the things that have been made available to us through Jesus. We see it as options. Let me tell you something about the things of God. They're, they're not optional in our lives. We need them. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn them over to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. It'll be up on the overhead, but if you're like me, you'd rather read it out of your own Bible. <clears throat> but in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the sixth verse, it... Uh, it makes this statement in the first part of the verse. It says, but without faith, it's impossible, not difficult, it's impossible to please him. And of course, to pleasing him, there is speaking of God. And so it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Now, when we look, about, look at uh, this word impossible, we think of it this way. Without having any faith, it's impossible to please him. But he's writing to believers here in the book of Hebrews, to Jewish believers. And so, <clears throat> for you and I, as born-again believers, it's impossible for us to not have faith. Whoa. Well, if you're saved, you have faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to be saved. And so you and I, the moment that we were born again, what, what, to be born again, what was imparted into our life, even, even the faith that we have is a gift from God. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, as it says in Ephesians 2.8. The thing I want us to see is that for you and I, to say, I don't have enough faith, and therefore I'm not pleasing to God, it's a misquotation of this verse. Because you have faith. Hebrews 12, or excuse me, Romans 12, 
says that, that you have, at the very least, you've received the measure of faith. And the measure of faith that you have in your life is enough to do whatever God has asked you to do. Can I hear an amen? amen. Or an oh my or oh me or something or other. But it's the truth. You have faith. But here it says without faith, is impossible to please him. And so is he talking about unbelievers? No, he's talking to us. And so this word without here, in the Greek, it's the word koreos, C-H-R-O-R-I-S, C-H-O-R-I-S. And it means to be outside of something, to be outside of your house to be outside of the yard, to be outside of your car. And so what he's talking about here, it's saying for us to be outside of faith, it's impossible to please him. How do we, how do we get outside of faith? Well, the Bible tells us how as believers we're to walk of the expectations that are in our life and so on and so forth. And for us to walk in, lack of better terms, disobedience to that, we're outside of faith. It's not that faith isn't working, it's just simply that we're, we're outside of it. You know, last night I I watched uh, the Nationals for, for the wrestling tournament, um, NCAA. And uh, I can guarantee you something. Every one of those young men that were on that mat, that were competing for the championship, spent time inside the gym lifting weights, working on their moves. They, they, they perfected the gift that was in them, but it wasn't by staying outside. It was by being inside. You know, the thing we need to understand is that the Word of God, it works in the same way. It's still there. The talent is still there. The gift is still there. But if we stay outside, we're not gonna see the manifestation of it in our lives. That's why we need to be in Christ. That's why we need to recognize that we're in the Spirit. Over and over again in the scriptures, we hear about things that we're supposed to be in. And the reason that we're supposed to be in it is so that we're not outside of it. Because if we come, if we get outside of it, it's not going to work in our lives any longer. Now, we, we, we see this in the natural. We see in the natural that if we, don't, if we don't get involved in something, if we're not in something, it's not going to work in our lives the way that it ought to. You know, <clears throat> James says, faith without works or faith without score, corresponding action is dead. 
And the thing that I've come to realize is faith, if I really believe something, it demands an action on my part. If it's not faith, you know, I can, I can take it or leave it. But if I truly have faith, it demands an action. Now, you've all heard the story of, you know, 40 some odd years ago when I was born again in the basement of Vern Lewis's house and they shared the word of God with me and I came to the realization that I wasn't saved. And because they shared the word with me, faith began to rise up on the inside of me. And because of that faith that rose up on the inside of me, it demanded an action on my part. And I prayed and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior that morning. But you know what, I didn't have to. I could have stayed outside and not received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But when faith rises up, it asks you to do something. Faith is never dormant. Faith never just sits there inactive. Faith is always active, and that's why James says, faith without corresponding action is dead. Doesn't, it doesn't, notice it never says you don't have any faith there. It's just that it's not gonna produce anything in our life because faith requires an action on our part. And for there to be that action, we've gotta be in. For it to benefit us, we've gotta be in. Listen to this rendition of that part of uh, Hebrews 6 or 11.6. And this would, be, this would be accurate, just changing some words. When you live outside of faith, living beyond the borders and the perimeters, it's impossible to please, to please God. You know, <clears throat> as parents, we've realized because we love our children, when they were growing up, when my kids were growing up, we, set, we put certain parameters on them. There were certain borders that were given to them. But it wasn't because we didn't love them, it was because we did love them. And so in our life with God, in our walk with, of faith, there's certain perimeters, there's certain borders that are given into our life. And we can look at them as being legalistic. We can look at them in all kinds of other ways. But those parameters, those borders are given to us to protect us. And the reason we don't go outside of those borders because the protection is on the inside. You know, if it's raining outside or if it's freezing outside, you know, <clears throat> Well, some of you probably don't, now that I think about it, I'm probably, I'll use myself as an example. When it's raining outside, when it's cold outside, I stay inside. Because if I go outside, I don't reap the benefits of being inside. You understand what I'm saying? And so God has put perimeters on us Faith has put parameters on us, but it isn't to take away from us. It's to add to us. It's to bring blessing into our life. 
You know, when you read on in uh, Hebrews eleven six, it says that God is a rewarder. And it says that when we, we stay on the inside, we don't go outside of faith. When we stay inside of faith, we're in a position where God is able to bless us or he's able to bring rewards into our life. And so let's read Hebrews eleven six as a whole. And it says, but without faith, or being outside of faith, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, he who stays inside faith, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. That's the starting point. We've got to believe that God is who he is, who he says that he is. He is the almighty God. He is the son of God. Must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. You know, it pays to serve God. There's benefits in serving God. There's there's rewards in serving God. And here it's saying there's rewards in staying in faith and refusing to get outside of faith. For he is a rewarder of those, but then it goes on and it says, to those who diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. You know what? Staying in faith isn't always easy. You know, it's just like those wrestlers last night. And of all of the guys that were there, there's only one champion. Let me tell you something about those champions. They were diligent. Now, the others were as well, but I'm just using this as an example. They were diligent. In other words, they put some effort into it. You know, and I played football. Can't you tell I was a football player? <clears throat> you know, uh, it was it a was small school, uh, eight-man football. And uh, uh, made a conference a couple of years, just bragging on myself here a little bit. You know, look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> but then I went and I but, I, but I was never very diligent about it. You know, I grew up on the farm, so I, I had certain natural strengths and so forth. But as far as training was concerned, you know, I I remember running one time. (laughs) But, you know, I wasn't wasn't diligent about it. And uh, so I, I, you know, I I was, I was was really good, you know, and really cool. So I was going to play college football, so I went to Worthington Junior College. And uh, the first day of practice, I realized something. I was playing football for six years. I'd never, ever been in shape. I never saw so many guys puking in my entire life. I mean, it wasn't, uh, 
Well, let's be honest about it. It wasn't fun anymore. But the reason was I hadn't learned to be diligent in that area. And the thing that I realized, these other guys, I mean, they were, they were mean. They were diligent. They were strong. And, but they had, they had put some effort into it. And they were reaping the rewards of it. You know, one of the guys that I played, Ben, I graduated from high school with him, but he was a little more diligent on his, on his training. He played at Mankato, you know, Minnesota State now, but did well. But see, why is it in our Christian walk, we think we can stay outside of faith and not be diligent about faith, not be diligent about the Word of God, not be diligent about the things of God, but yet we're going to reap the rewards of it. I don't know, I, I, want, the, I, want, I want the rewards. You know, well, you know, pastor, it's not whether you win or lose. It's how you played the game. You ever notice that everybody that says that has never won? You won't find winners that say that. Because winners want to win. Now everybody can't, if, you, if you're categorizing things, not everybody can be number one. But you know what, everyone can be a winner from the standpoint they're hoping and working to achieve it. Now the differences in the kingdom of God is every one of us can be number one. Every one of us are one and number one in the eyes of God. And so we need to be, we need to be diligent about it. Yesterday I drove the women over to Oakland for their little retreat thing and, and so then I went to train her to watch three of my grandkids and, and we're, we're outside playing and so forth and and, uh, and Emily uh, had gotten a pogo stick for Christmas, and so she and, and, uh, and uh, Andrew were competing as to who could, could do it the most. And, you know, they'd get four or five bounces, and, and that was it. And, and so then they were done with their competition, and I, I, I was talking to Emily, and I says, you know, <clears throat> can I... Can I can I give you some counsel, advice on jumping your pogo stick? I didn't show her. <laughs> Notice I said give you advice. I'm really good at that. And so I said, now, when you're jumping, you're, you're pushing down with the arms. And, and the idea with a pogo stick is you, you keep your feet on the pads and you allow your weight to do all the work. And so when you're jumping, put just a little bit of pressure up on the handles, and then when you're pushing down with your feet, it'll keep the pogo stick tight with your feet. And so she did that, and immediately she was doing it 20 times, and then it was 30 times, and we got a text last night. She had done it 46 times <laughs> without starting, without stopping. But see, the point is you say, well, Pastor, that's a pogo stick. Well, listen to my advice. Listen to my counsel concerning the Word of God. 
that when we apply the truths and the principles, because that's, that's one of the principles of jumping on a pogo stick. There's certain principles in our life with Christ that, that bring about the victory that we're supposed to experience because the purpose of the pogo stick is to jump. The purpose of your life in Christ is to be victorious. But just as the pogo stick, you have to apply the right principles and pressure at the right place, be diligent in the right manner. It isn't just because, I'll tell you, she was being diligent. She was jumping, she was jumping, she was trying it on concrete, she was trying it on the grass to figure out what would work best. But to get a hold of one principle, she was able to use the pogo stick the way it was intended to be used. When we get a hold of the principles of God and we use them, just as Emily saw the desired results of jumping on the pogo stick, we're going to see the desired re results in our walk with Jesus Christ. And it's staying inside faith that's going to bring the desired reward. Because if you could have seen her face, the success alone was the reward that she was looking for. He desires for us to have a victorious life, and it comes. Now, what's this got to do with the Holy Ghost? Everything. Because just as that word, chorus, in the Greek, speaking of being outside, and in, in Hebrews, it says, that you're not going to receive the desired reward because you can't be pleasing to God if we stay outside of faith. We're not going to experience the benefits of the Holy Spirit if we stay outside. If we say, well, I don't think that's for today. I don't, I don't think that that applies to me. Well, the Bible says that every one of his promises to every single individual that is in the kingdom of God, his response to that blessing, that promise, is constant. And the answer is always yes. So Father, I need the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You got it. Why? Because that's his will, that's his desire for each and every one of us. In Acts, the 10th chapter, it talks about how this gift of the Holy Spirit is available, was made available to everyone, to Jew and Gentile alike. And I think sometimes we don't understand the significance of that. Because the Gentiles were outside the Jews were inside. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, we Gentiles were invited in. We were welcomed in. Everything that God made available to the Jews through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus 
has been made available to every other man, woman, and child that lived, lives, and ever will live upon the earth. He's not a respecter of persons in that sense. And so it says here in, 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 in Acts 10, 45, and those of the, of the circumcision, that's speaking of the Jews, who believe were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. And they heard them speaking with tongues and magnifying God. And they said, well, we know that, that the gift, not only of the Holy Spirit, but the gift of salvation is available to all men because we've heard it for ourselves. We realize that for Jew and for Gentile alike, salvation has been made available to all men. And of course, it's by faith. We've already quoted it from Ephesians 2.8, where it says, for by grace, We've been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift from God, not of works. All of the gifts of God are not a result of our works. It's a result because he wanted to give it to us. He made it available to us. And so we've talked about, I talked about it before, how, how grace is God's part. Grace is him pouring out whatever it is that we need in our life. Faith is our part. Faith is how we receive what God has already made available to us. Faith is not trying to get God to do something. Faith is receiving what God has already done for you and I. And he's done it through our Lord Jesus Christ. The manifold grace have been poured out in each and every one of our lives. And what we fail to see sometimes, the number one promise that Jesus gave us of the grace, the gift that was gonna be made available to us was the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. We've talked about it the last two or three weeks, how Jesus said, to his disciples, he says, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I go away, I'm gonna to send to you somebody just like me, another comforter, who will be with you forever. And that's the exciting thing about the Holy Spirit. He says, I'll never leave you. He's never gonna leave us. He'll stay with us forever. But then there's other elements that go along with it. Let's look at John, the 16th chapter. John, the 16th chapter, and we'll begin in the 23rd verse, and it says, this is Jesus speaking again to his disciples, and he says, and in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give you. Until now, you've asked nothing 
in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy, that your joy may be full. These things I spoke in a figurative language. But the time is coming when I'll no longer speak to you in figurative language. But I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you'll ask in my name, and I will, <clears throat> and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. And I came forth from the Father and have come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. And so Jesus left this world. He went to the Father and he says, the time's come. When I've come to, gone to the Father, the time has come when you will ask anything in my name and I'll do it. You know that, that word anything. If you, if you study that out in the Greek, what you will find is it means anything. Whatever we ask the Father in Jesus' name, he says he's going to do it. Now, We've got to be in agreement with the Father, and that means we ask according to the Word of God. That, <clears throat> that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, I, I can, you know, just uh, say, Father, give me a smaller nose, and there it is. No, it's, it's I know, that was stupid. I couldn't, I just boonk. I, I thought of a million dollars, but, you know, I don't want to rule that out. <laughs> I can live with my nose. But it's, it's, it's according to the Word of God. And he says, we can ask him. And he says, he's not going to withhold it from us. You know, it's through the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit that we have confidence to ask him what we will, and he says he's going to give it to us. You know, <clears throat> concerning the Holy Spirit, that's where the manifestation of tongues, being able to pray in the Spirit, is so important. Because we don't always know how to ask what we ought. You ever been there? You know, and it happens to me all the time, and somebody will call, and they want prayer for something, and, and I, I, just, I just feel at a loss. I mean, I know what the Word of God says about the situation, but oftentimes there's specifics that go along with the situation. And, and so that's why the Holy Spirit is so important, because He can show us how to pray. We can, we can pray in the Holy Ghost, and, and sometimes He'll show us what we prayed, and sometimes we won't. But you know what? Later on at a time, we can, we can know that that was something that I prayed for. And so it's so important because we're never to be at a loss. Never, never to be at a loss. He wants to show us what to pray and he'll lead us in how we ought to pray. You know, several years ago, you know, the county was in the midst of, of a drought and at that time, 
Galen Devoloy was county agent, and he called me and he says, "You know, uh, we really need some we, we really need some rain here, really bad. We need to pray." And he says, "What would you think of having because the fair was just about ready to start?" And he says, "What would you think about having a, a, a prayer meeting where we invite all the churches and and we come together at the fairgrounds and we have a we have a prayer for service for rain because there was there was no rain in the forecast. And I says, that'd be great. I gave him the name of the president of the ministerial association. He called him and got it set up. And so it was like a, on a Wednesday evening, like 5.30 or 6 or, well, no, it wasn't. A, I don't remember. Anyway, it was one evening and and we, we came together and and as I'm, uh, walking, it was on, in the grandstands, and as I'm walking in, uh, the, the pastor that's the head of the ministerial association says, when it's time to pray, will you pray? And I said, sure. And I, I didn't have a clue what I was going to pray. I didn't have my prayer book with me. And I don't have a prayer book. You know. You know, but I, I didn't know what I was going to pray. And so I, I'm, while we're going through it, I'm just kind of praying in the spirit and still didn't have a clue what I was going to pray. And, and so finally, it's time for the prayer. And, you know, Channel 13 and Channel 5 were here with their cameras and so forth. And, and so I got up and I began to pray and I, I closed my eyes and, and I just relied on the, on the Holy Spirit. And he spoke to my heart and he, he says, you know, just pray uh, for this system that's holding back the rain, command that system to be moved and, and so on and so forth. And so I prayed this prayer, and at the end, I, I simply said, and in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we command the rains to come forth. Amen. And I opened my eyes, and there was a camera about that far away from my faith and scared the tar out of me. And so we, we go home that night, you know, because there's nothing in the forecast, and at that time, we're watching Channel 13 News, and the weather comes on, and the weather says, you know, there's really no rain in the forecast, except there seems to be just one little cell over the town of Jefferson. And if you remember, that was where the, the churches got together and they prayed for rain. And it no more came out of his mouth. And we heard this kaboom, this thunder. And we run out into the front porch and here's a downpour. It was, it was broken over Greene County. It rained over Greene County. Oh, and man, I just, you know, Pastor Dave, he's some prayer. No, 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 it's the Holy Ghost. He shows us what to pray and what we ought. Just kind of a cool side note of that. For the rest of that summer, Channel 13 or, or WHO, when they would put on their, their weather on the radio, you'd hear my voice because it would start out with, and in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we demand the rains to come forth. And I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> but you know what? That was the first time that I'd ever prayed for those systems to be moved. Why? Because I didn't know the system needed to move. But he did. And so it wasn't my intellect it was the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, sometimes 
I, I know y'all are smarter than me, but sometimes I feel like my intellect fails me. So I feel like I don't know what I ought to know. But you know what I've realized? It's the Holy Ghost will never fail me. Because he can show me those things. And you know what? He wants to show you as well. In, in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, the second verse, and the 14th verse, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. And it says, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands or captures his meaning, because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret thoughts and hidden things, not obvious to the understanding. So it's not, you say, well, pastor, I don't understand. Yeah, join the club. Verse 14, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit, within me, where is he? Within me, not without me, within me, Praise, but my mind is unprofitable, bears no fruit, and helps no one. You know, when we first began to walk in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we had this little Bible study and we were meeting and, and we were pretty uninformed in a lot of areas. And, and uh, one evening, we were going to have our Bible study, and uh, we had heard through the grapevine that Don and Kathy Benson were going to be there. And, and of course, we kind of panicked, you know, because Don and Kathy uh, are in the Baptist church, wonderful Christians, but, you know, this, this whole uh, speaking in tongues thing could present a problem, and we didn't want to offend anybody because... Don and Kathy were going to be there. And so, you know, we were, we were with fear and trepidation, hoping that nobody would pray in tongues that night because we didn't want to offend Don and Kathy. And so, sure enough, we're in our, our meeting, and all of a sudden, somebody comes out, and they pray in tongues. And of course, when you're in a meeting, if a tongue comes forth, it's to be interpreted, and Somebody interpreted that tongue, and, and I'm thinking, oh, man. Last time we're going to see Don and Kathy. And so they, they left, and they, they, they seemed to be happy about everything. And they said, the only thing we can't understand is why did the one person say something and the other person repeat what they said? And, you know, we're, we're dumbfounded, so they, they left, and... And, and the room was divided. The tongue that was given, half the room heard the tongue in the other language, and half the room heard it in English. Now, you try to tell me the Holy Ghost isn't involved in that. And Don and Kathy heard it in, both of them in English. Now, I'm sure glad we didn't scare them away because for many years, uh, Don was one of my elders here in the church. So obviously it didn't scare him away too bad. 
But see, this is the thing that I want you to see. It's, it's of the Holy Ghost. We were having a Bible study in, in Ankeny, Iowa one time and in the basement. And this guy, he gave this, this, this tongue and it sounded like German or something. And I got, I got the interpretation. I didn't understand it. I mean, I don't, I may be German, but I don't know any German. And so I, I gave the interpretation. And after the service, this guy that was visiting that night came over to me and he says, oh, you're pretty close. And I said, well, what, what, what do you mean? He says, well, I couldn't understand everything that the guy said, but I speak high German, he was speaking low German, but your, your interpretation was pretty close, pretty right on. Now you want to tell me that this isn't of God. We serve a miraculous God and we need to take the limits off of him. But you know what we do? We put limits on God. We say, God, you can go this far, but you're not gonna go any further. I don't understand this, so you're not gonna, I'm not gonna allow you to go any further in my life. Well, you know what? That takes no faith. That's outside faith at that point. Because when we're in faith, we may say, God, I don't understand this but your word declares it, and so I accept it in Jesus' name. And you know what the wonderful thing is, is after 30 some odd years, it makes absolutely no sense to me not to pray in tongues, because I've been so dependent upon it in my life. And so we are, we're dependent upon him. You know, in Acts 1.8, it says that we shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon us. We shall be his witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. And you know, <clears throat> that isn't about words. That's about living our life in front of him. And in order for us to victoriously live our life in front of him, in front of this world that we live in. We need something more than ourselves to empower us to be able to accomplish that. We need the anointing, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, there's, there's one area where it's okay for us to be selfish from the standpoint that we want it all. And that's in regards to the things of God. And it really isn't selfish. Because when I receive the things of God, it's not really for me. It's so that I can be a blessing to others. And that's our purpose in being here. If it weren't for that, we could just as well be gone. Our purpose in being is that we might be a blessing. But you know what? There's a very interesting thing. To be a blessing you have to be blessed. I can't give what I don't have. If I don't understand the love of God, I'm not gonna be able to give the love of God. I'm able to physically love somebody, but that's nothing in comparison to the love of God. And we can go down the line with every one of the blessings that have been made available 
to us through Christ Jesus. Yes, it's for us. But ultimately, ultimately, it's so that I can be a blessing to somebody else. Yes, I believe in prosperity. But I don't believe in prosperity just simply so that I can use it on self. I believe in prosperity so that I can use it to the glory of God to be a blessing to others. You know, y'all know I love our church, but I love our church. And I love what's in the very fiber of this body. And and in the very fiber of this body is, is to give, it's to be a blessing, it's to, it's to go. And I, I just think about the fact that, you know, Bill and Don are down in Honduras right now because their daughter, who grew up in this church, married a Honduran and now have a church and a ministry down there. That's where we're going this summer with our, our mission team. It just blesses me because this afternoon Emma's going to be coming in from Guatemala, Nicaragua, one of those algalagas. But she's she's coming back from there, you know, and and it's a school uh, trip, but yet it's it's the heart of a missionary that's in here. And and Friday or yesterday, uh, Maddie. Uh, went to Han, uh, went to Haiti. You know, I was thinking there was somebody else that was on the go. Any, Omega and Emmanuel. I think they're close to being on their way back from, uh, from Kenya, but they're over there. But, but I love that <clears throat> we're, a, we're a church here in little old Jefferson, Iowa. But the heart, whether it's physically or through the work of the Spirit, it's all through the Spirit, but it's, it's a world that we have. But see, you don't do that on your own. Otherwise, you're just a vacationer. He's placed that heart within us. I know I need to close this. Let's, let's go to Acts, the second chapter. The first verse. Then on the day of Pentecost, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they're all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they appeared on them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That wasn't the end of something. That was the beginning of something. 
That was the beginning of the believer's spirit-filled life. Every one of us, when we receive Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit came upon us. The Holy Spirit lives within us. You have the Holy Ghost if you've been born again. But you see, so did these men and women. They had the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he came into the upper room, he breathed upon them. And he said, receive ye the, the Holy Ghost. And I believe at that point in time, they were born again. But even though they were born again, they didn't have the power that they needed in their life to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God. And so he brought to them, he gave to them the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's that walk of the Spirit, that life of the Spirit that you and I are to live in. It's not something that we're supposed to visit once in a while. It's not something that we're supposed to experience once in a while. It's to be a place that we live. Just as faith that has boundaries and borders, so that place in the Holy Spirit, it has those boundaries, it has those borders. And when we live there, there's a protection. We spent two weeks talking about the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's in that place where he leads us and he guides us. And he guides us into all truth. And we know that the word of God is truth. And so he reveals to us the truth of the word of God, those things that were hidden from ages past have been revealed to you and I. Why? so that we can live a victorious life, so that we can be the witness that this world needs to be able to see. This world is lost without you and me, without Jesus, without seeing what the Holy Ghost can do in our lives. Romans 8, 26, I made reference to this, but I just want to read it. Talks about the Holy Spirit that he he strengthened us in our weaknesses. And the weakness that he's talking about here is not knowing what to do. Likewise, the Holy Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself, this, how does the Spirit himself pray through us? through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit, um, for the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which can't even be uttered. You know, sometimes, like I said, I don't know how to pray for things, but thank God I have the Holy Spirit in my life who is able to pray through me. And he doesn't always show me what I've prayed for or how I've prayed, but there's times he does. He wants to use each and every one of us. We can be effective if we'll allow him to. But then I want to just read one more verse to you. 
And it comes from 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, and the 19th verse. And he says, or do you not know? We're supposed to know something. He says, or do you, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Do you not know that you are the temple, that you are the abode, that you are the house, that you are the home of the Holy Spirit who has taken up residence on the inside of you. And do you know what? He doesn't want to be outside. He wants to be inside. Because he knows that in you and through you, he can do all things. Because whether you realize this or not, Jesus is seated at the right hand of Father God in heaven. So God no longer has Jesus on earth to work through. It's got you and me. The Bible says that we are his body. We are his means of expression here on earth. God needs you. He needs you as a vessel that he can express his love to one another. He needs you because he can't just do it. He needs a vessel. And in order for us to be that effective vessel, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Pray this after me. Dear Father God, I thank you for Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of my life. Jesus, I've received you and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life and by the power of your Holy Spirit cause me to be born again. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to rule and reign in my life. I ask you, now that I've been born again, that I am saved to come into my life, to fill me to overflowing. I welcome you into my life. And now, because I am baptized with the Holy Spirit, I ask you 
to loose my tongue that I might be able to pray in that unknown tongue. That you and I might have deeper, more intimate fellowship than we've ever had before. That I might be able to pray for those things that I don't know how to pray for. But Father, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Now I know that's kind of a weird way of doing it. But I wanted to do it that way because I didn't want you to have to file up here and me lay my hands upon you. I wanted you to understand something, that your faith receives what Jesus has done for you. And if you were praying for salvation and you meant it with all of your heart, you were born again. You don't need me to pray for you because you received what Jesus has done for you. And when we prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, did you see that we read that on the day of Pentecost, it came upon all of them because they were in a place of agreement. They were in a place of harmony. And I believe because I preached the word of God to you this morning, we were in a place of agreement. We were in a place of harmony. And so when you asked and received that Holy Spirit, I believe that if you did that in faith, you were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And if you were baptized in the Holy Ghost, I believe you received the gift of, the, the, of speaking in tongues because that's part of it. Now, I want to leave this open to you. If you prayed and you received and, and, and you don't experience that gift of tongues, I extend an invitation to you. It can be this morning or it can be any time. You come up to me and say, Pastor, I prayed and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I don't feel like my, my language has been released. Would you pray for me? And I'll be happy to do that. If you have any doubts as to whether or not you've been born again or any doubts as to whether or not you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to, I want you to come to me and say, Pastor, I ask that you pray for me. And you know what? I'll be so honored to do so. But I don't want you to believe that your gift is a result of me praying for you. I want you to know that it's a result of God's grace and mercy being poured out upon your life because he loves you. God loves you. It was like God loves me. He does. Amen, brother. So, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the name of the one who loves you unconditionally, go in his peace, go in his strength, go in his love, walk in the victory that has been provided for you through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus and through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life.
so that you and I might be witnesses to all the world. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.